0: I don't know if you ever experienced this uh, when you were younger but when I was a child often I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Not because I'd had nightmares or bad dreams or anything like that but because I would have cramps in my legs and they were so painful. When I was really young I would used to just cry out in the night, mummy! Mummy! Mummy would come in, what's the matter, darling? I'd say, my legs are hurting. And she, because she loved me, she'd massage my legs until they felt better and I'd go back to sleep. When I got older and I was a teenager and I'd still have these cramps in my legs in the middle of the night, I didn't need to cry out to mummy anymore. I got so used to them that I'd just kind of wake up and stretch out my leg until the cramp went away and I'd go back to sleep. Sometimes I could do it, even whilst i was asleep i got so good at it and it used to annoy me or why am i getting always these cramps in my legs you know was it because i didn't drink enough water and i was dehydrated did i not eat enough bananas and get enough potassium or whatever it was and my doctor said no it's nothing to worry about it's just growing pains you'll go through them and then they will disappear and he was right well i still have growing pains uh, they're just not so much in my legs anymore. They're in other parts of my uh, my parts of my body, and we all go through growing pains, don't we? Lots of people, lots of places, lots of things, lots of organisations have growing pains. The fish that grows too big for the fishbowl—that's painful. The business that grows from being a sole trader to a an international corporation—that goes through change and conflict and pain at times. A family that grows from a, a single-person household to a, a married couple, that can involve change and pain. And then when children come along, that's a whole other level of pain and change. And, and then if it goes back again to a single-person household, there's a whole lot of change and pain that can be associated with that as well. And it's the same with the local church. As a local church grows and changes over time, it's not unheard of for there to be some pain. All change can be painful at times. New people, new relationships, new cultures, new languages, new buildings even can all cause pain. And as with a, a big fish in a small bowl, sometimes there needs to be intervention as well. And so the question I want us to think through this morning is, how can we move through growing pains as a church in a healthy and effective way and I think we can see an answer to that question in Acts chapter 6 because we see a church growing through growing pains and the early church is indeed growing very quickly Uh, in Acts chapter 6 verse 1 it says in those days the number of the disciples was multiplying and the size of this early church is in the thousands by now A small gathering of 12 disciples around Jesus has multiplied and multiplied, in a very quick time, to thousands of people living in community. It's grown rapidly, but it hasn't grown smoothly, has it? We saw last week uh, that the apostles were being imprisoned for teaching people about Jesus. We saw that they were commanded by the government not to tell more people about Jesus. You're getting too big. There were problems externally but there were also problems internally as we saw with Ananias and Sapphira problems of ungodliness deceit hypocrisy lies threatening the church from the inside the church was growing yes but it had some pain as well and one of the problems I guess of a a growing group of people particularly once it gets into the thousands, let alone a church like ours where we're 200, 250 people, it can be difficult to know everybody, can't it? And when you can't know everybody in a large organisation, what tends to humanly happen is subgroups and subcultures start to form with people who are are like you or similar to you, have same interests to you, listen to the same Christian music that you do, follow the same football team that you do, speak the same language that you do, maybe from the same ethnic background that uh, that you are. And sometimes those subcultures and subgroups, not just in a church but in any organisation, can have competing desires and outcomes and there can be conflict can't there and that's what we see happen here in acts chapter 6 verse 1 again in those days as the number of the disciples was multiplying there arose a complaint by the hellenistic jews against the hebraic jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution So, there we're told of two subgroups within this early Christian community. There is the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. That just simply means those who speak Hebrew and those who speak Greek. And there arises a conflict. Uh, One group says, We're being overlooked in the pastoral care of this community, we're missing out on the daily distribution. They're getting their money or their food or whatever it might be, but we're missing out. Well, our widows, those in need, uh, are missing out. Now, we're not told that there was explicit racism in the early church, that the Hebrews were more valued than the Greeks. It may have just been a misunderstanding and a miscommunication as this early church has grown so rapidly. It could just be that. But whatever the case, there is a problem, isn't there? There is a pain that they are experiencing. And that pain can still be experienced in our church today Uh, there might be members of our church who are from a non-anglo background and they might think oh this anglican church really only focuses its attention on anglos and we miss out on uh, ministry and uh, the budget and and things like that single people uh, might feel in a, a suburban family church that Uh, pastoral care tends to focus on families and young children and and single people might feel left out it's not unheard of is it Uh, for issues still like this to be experienced today so what do the apostles do what do they do we find the proposal in verse 2 then the 12 summoned the whole company of the disciples and said it would not be right for us to give up preaching about god to handle financial matters therefore brothers select from among you seven men of good reputation full of the spirit and wisdom whom we can appoint to this duty but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the preaching ministry there's the proposal let's gather everyone together it's the first church annual general meeting first in church history maybe and as they get together what do the apostles do well notice what they don't do initially they don't rebuke one group of christians for not caring they don't rebuke the other group of christians for complaining they see the problem but they also see the problem as an opportunity isn't that interesting? so often we see problems as problems only but the apostles see problems as opportunities and that's what they are It's an opportunity to restructure things to enable ministry to happen more efficiently and effectively. So what do they decide to do? Well, notice again what they don't do. They don't decide to start two new churches. Well, let's start a Greek-speaking church over here for for the Greek speakers and and let's start a Hebrew-speaking church over here for the Hebrew speakers and then everyone will be happy. No, they were committed to being a multicultural community of the family of God, expressing God's great vision for humanity. They wanted to stay together but how do they do that well their proposal is to multiply the leadership to enable more ministry to happen their proposal is to appoint seven new leaders who would be responsible for overseeing the administration the life of the community in these matters as a whole why seven leaders you might ask seven's a nice biblical number isn't it the seven days of creation it could also be an echo back to the time of Moses uh, when Moses had a little bit of a leadership crisis himself and he was dealing with complaint after complaint after complaint from all the people of God and he was getting so frustrated and God said to him Moses you don't need to be doing this all on your own appoint 70 other leaders to help you lead the people of God And so the seven here in Acts chapter 6 may be an echo back to the time of Moses and the 70 that were appointed to help him. Uh, During my Bible study group during the week, one member said, now this could just be the first church roster. You know, there are seven days of the week and so let's appoint seven people, one person for each day of the week to oversee the life and the administration of the church. We don't know the why of the seven, do we? But whatever the reason, we know that the apostles didn't feel the need to micromanage every aspect of the church life. But were happy to appoint other people into leadership positions to oversee uh, different aspects of the church life. So that they could focus their attention, what on? On prayer and the preaching ministry. Now why that? Are the apostles saying, We're the apostles, we don't do admin. We don't do pastoral care. Our job is much more holy and spiritual than that. We do the preaching. We do the prayer. Well, I don't think that's what they're saying. Remember, the apostles have been involved in the church life all the way through and have been very caring and very strategic in what they've been doing. But what they are saying is that they are echoing the very commission that jesus specifically gave to them as the 12 apostles you remember that commission that jesus gave his apostles you shall be my witnesses in jerusalem in judea in samaria and to the ends of the earth and if the apostles were going to just get bogged down in admin that specific mission call could be under threat But the apostles didn't want to just diminish pastoral care or diminish the importance of administration in a large organization. But rather than doing it themselves, they provided an opportunity for others to do that so that they could fulfill their specific call from Jesus. So who did they appoint? Let's read it, verse 5. The proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, it's like Timon and Pumba, isn't it? But Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So there's the seven, the first parish council. Stephen and Philip we will know and they will become quite famous themselves in the next few chapters of Acts. The other five we don't know so much about. It appears that some of them are Hebrew speakers Philip and Stephen are Hebrew names and then others appear to be Greek names so there's a, a mix of Hebrews and Greeks there but it's not necessarily 50-50 is it it's not like the apostles are like okay the problem is a division between the Hebrews and the Greeks so let's form a new leadership team 50-50 now what's the reason these seven men were appointed it's because they were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom they were known to be godly men where the fruit of the spirit was evident in their life they were known as men who loved full of joy peace patience kindness goodness all those things but they were also wise they loved admin they were good at it they were intelligent they were good at organizing things and distributing things and they were appointed for that reason not just simply because of the language that they could speak And so what was the result the product verse 7 we see so the preaching about god flourished the number of the disciples in jerusalem multiplied greatly and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith so it worked the church continued to grow through their pain multiplying greatly we're told and it's interesting there's that little sentence And a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Why do they mention priests? Of all people. It's a good question, isn't it? And I wonder whether it's a reflection here that the Acts 1-8 mission is starting to be fulfilled. Because remember the first part of the Acts 1-8 mission is that, Apostles, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And at this stage in the early church life, the bulk of the Christian community have been ordinary men and women and children. Fishermen, tax collectors, things like that. But here we're told that even the religious elite of Jerusalem are being converted by God. That their mission in Jerusalem is being fulfilled Now there's no clear prescription or indication here that just because the apostles implemented this particular strategy that that was the reason the church continued to grow. We can't necessarily draw that conclusion but what we can at least say is their decision to implement this strategy didn't hold them back. It didn't hold them back. And so I think there is a principle that we can observe and then apply to our church today. And the principle is this, that we can help growing pains in a church by opening ministry lanes, by providing more opportunity for people to serve, to multiply the amount of ministry that we can do and the number of people that we can impact in our community. Help growing pains by opening ministry lanes. And that's what the apostles did. They didn't just focus on the problem and who was to blame. They saw the problem as an opportunity to expand and to grow. And I think that's a good principle for us uh, to follow even today. And you think about our church. Uh, We have been growing over the years. uh, From a little church 30 years ago to now over 250 people that gather on a Sunday across four congregations. At the end of last year, you might remember, and the beginning of this year, we did notice some growing pains in our Sunday morning service. We only had the one service at 10 o'clock and we were starting to notice some capacity issues. And so the parish council and the ministry team made the decision to use that as an opportunity to restructure, to launch two new congregations on a Sunday morning, multiply ministry, so that more people in our community have an opportunity to gather together on a Sunday to sing God's praises and to learn from his word. We've done that. At last year's Thanksgiving Sunday, we raised some money to specifically enable this service to start and have the opportunity for the sermon to be live interpreted into Mandarin through your smartphone. We invested in that technology to allow people to come and to hear God's word in a language that they're more comfortable with. In listening to we have opened up ministry lanes to allow continued growth and I think God has been faithful to us maybe you were here at the beginning of the 1045 service look around now and see how many people are here uh, with us and as a church our size and many churches our size it's meant that the role of the pastor the minister has had to change as well people joke that the life of a minister is easy and I know that they're only joking of course when they say the minister only works one day a week he's got the best job in the world he only works on a Sunday and throughout the week he just has coffee with people he can play golf do whatever he wants to do it's an easy life but I know you're only joking if you think that because in many ways the minister is expected to be An amazing Bible teacher, an accountant, a lawyer, a strategist, a computer tech whiz, a counselor, a public speaker, a worship director, a prayer warrior, a mentor, a trainer, and a fundraiser. I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted just thinking about that list. Someone once joked that it doesn't matter how much you slice up a general, you'll never get an army. It's the same with a minister doesn't matter how thinly you slice the minister you will never get a church but the message of acts chapter 6 and ephesians chapter 4 that first reading that stephen read is that it's not the minister's job to be the sole person running the church if you like being on mission for jesus ephesians chapter 4 says that the chief role of the pastor and the teacher is to equip or to train god's people for the work of ministry so that they can focus on prayerfully proclaiming the Word of God. I can try and do everything, friends. But I can't. And I may not last. We need to open up ministry lanes for others to run in. Uh, You may or may not be familiar with our what we call the Renew Pathway here at Minchinbury. Uh, Our mission, as Ruth so wonderfully reminded us, is to, like the New Testament, make disciples and multiply communities that love Jesus and show Jesus love. But how do you do that? Well, this is our particular strategy that we do as a church to see that mission become a reality. We call it the Renew Pathway, where we want to reach out to members of our community with the good news of Jesus. We then want them to be engaged in the life of our church community where they can feel loved and valued and belong. We want to see them nurtured in their knowledge and love of God through God's word and prayer. We want to see them equipped for the task of mission and ministry amongst us. And we want to do it all to the worship, the glory, the honour and praise of God. That's our renewed pathway. If you think about our church like the M4 freeway, these are the five lanes that we drive in. I wonder which lane you're running or driving in today what's your ministry lane where can you take up an opportunity to serve the Lord Jesus and run with and for him now i recognize that there are many of you here today who have been running so hard in the life of our church you have served and given so much of your time your talents and your treasure for the good of jesus and our church some of you are multiple running in multiple lanes your kids church leaders your scripture teachers your discipleship group leaders your coaches your mentors your musicians your service leaders your prayer warriors thank you i appreciate all that you have done and continue to do in the life of our church But the work of making disciples and multiplying communities is never over, is it? There are 350,000 people in our local area, many who do not know the Lord Jesus. Our work is not done. And maybe you're relatively new to our church. Maybe you've come to us from another church where you were running so hard that you burnt out and you're just looking to be refreshed for the moment. And that's good, I'm glad that you're here. Maybe you've been sitting in church for a little while and... Maybe you've been thinking, I need to start running again. How can I serve the Lord Jesus? I don't know if you like running or not. One of my favourite events at the Olympic Games is the running relay. And I love it because there's so much excitement and drama surrounding this thing. It's not just one person just running around the track, whoever can get there the quickest... It's a team running activity where you have to run really hard, yes, but you have this object called the baton that you need to smoothly and efficiently pass on to the next member of your team so that they can do their part and then pass it on so that the next person can do their part and so that together you can finish the race as effectively and as efficiently as you can. And there's drama, isn't there? Because, oh, what if they drop the baton and who's going to do what? church ministry is a bit like a relay race Uh, maybe you are somebody that has been holding the ministry baton and you have been running so hard in multiple lanes and if you keep doing that you're going to puff yourself out and you won't be fruitful for the kingdom of god so what's the solution well like in the relay race in the olympics you can't just drop the baton and say see you later That's not good for the team, is it? What you need to do is smoothly and effectively pass the baton on. So maybe you are someone that has been working so hard in ministry. Maybe it's time that you stop doing a couple of things. But not just drop it, but pass it on to somebody. Who could you pass it on to? Look around the room. Who's there someone that you could talk to today that you could pass something on to today because maybe you are someone in the room who is a bit like the hand ready to receive the baton you've just been waiting to be asked i'm asking and there may be others that will ask you today as well how can you receive that baton and how can you for the team begin your run around the track take the recharge card that out read through the serving at minchinbury form and and see all the different ministry lanes that you potentially could run in and let us know i mean look around our church what do you notice oh there's a need for pastoral care in this particular area write that down and put your name next to it <laughs> you notice that there's a need for more evangelism or for better administration write that down and put your name next to it A church like ours will continue to grow by God's grace, we pray. And no doubt it might continue to have some pain throughout that growth. But we can help growing pains by opening up ministry lanes so that more people can run in them and the work of God can multiply and flourish. What's your ministry lane? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this picture of the early church. We thank you for the wisdom and guidance. That you inspired in the apostles we pray father that we might learn from them maybe not do exactly what they did but to learn from them that we might not think that we alone need to do all things but that we might see each member of the church as gifts from you gifts just ready to be unleashed so that more people have an opportunity to love jesus show jesus love and draw more people into relationship with you this we pray in jesus name